You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I'm your host for the second week in a row, Brendan Chagru. Ryan Dingle can't be with us today. And actually, neither can Patrick Sheldon. But uh, for good reason, for uh, for Mr. Sheldon, I uh, just want to get it out of the way right away that uh, his son won his baseball tournament. So those kids are having their championship rings, literally. And he's celebrating with his son, which is such a cool thing to see. Uh, so... Uh, it's going to be a uh, smaller crew today, uh, but if you want to follow me on Twitter or X, make sure you get me at Brendan Shagru, that's S-U-G-R-U-E, and make sure you check out my work at bearswire.com. And so with me, we got the two-man weave. It's Mr. Jack Wright. You can follow him at Beardown Jack. Uh, Jack, you um you had an interesting week today, or this week, I mean, not today, but uh, you've had an interesting week. You shared with us that the bears had you so distraught and so well, you know, you know what? I'm just going to let you tell the story. Cause I think it's much better if you do it. So what did you do after the bears had you so stressed this week? I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I did something Brendan that I have never done before. Probably something that I would have just absolutely clowned somebody for doing if it were not me. So we were, as we'll talk about probably a little bit later, in a couple of heated exchanges on our Bear Down Chicago podcast thread. And in the midst of the one in the second half of the week about the sweat signing, I was getting gas. So I got out of my car and I went ahead and you know I pumped the gas and I got back in the car and like picked up back on the, on the thread. And I think I, I shot off a message and I heard the pump click off, right? So the gas was done. And, and then I just got so lost and irritated and frustrated. I started driving away and I hear, you know, like something snap and crash. And I'm like, are you bleeping kidding me? And I look back and the stinking hose is like still hanging out of my car. It was, uh, I just, I got out, I grabbed it, I put it back in the thing. I saw this lady looking at me, shaking her head. I was like, you're going to judge me. Okay, you're going to judge me. Fair enough. Just the Um, silent shake like this. Oh, yeah. She's like, so I went inside. I told the the attendant what I had done. (laughs) And then I got off the thread for a while. (laughs) I didn't want to crash on the way home. That's when you know when you when you can't properly pump gas <laughs> because the bears right? like, and everything are stressing you out. Yeah, you know yeah. what Matt Eberflus would say, Jack. What would he say? Well, you uh, you didn't execute the gas pumping properly, and uh, we're we're gonna get better at that. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, coach Luce, I will uh, 
try not to drive away with the uh, the handle in my car going forward. Good lesson. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a good lesson. Um, so look, we're we're here talking about yet another Bears loss. Um, they lose to the Saints twenty four seventeen. This one wasn't totally expected, or I'm sorry, this one. I guess I was ex- fully expecting it. I guess this kind of went exactly how I thought it would go. Um, before we get into any breakdowns, which I do have one, if you'd like to hear it, um, I just kind of want to get your quick thoughts on the game, Jack. I think it was closer than expected, and that was nice. I, I think I thought that New Orleans would handle us pretty easily for two reasons. One, because of the environment, uh, and sidebar, I don't think we'd won a game there since 1991, if I'm correct. And secondly, I just, I just, you know, I think the team is just not up to par yet. Um, and especially with a, with a rookie quarterback who, you know, as it turned out struggled without those turnovers, we, we maybe pull off a victory in, in new Orleans today. So, yeah, I mean, we're still building and there were some things to be excited about. And, um, but I think per usual, we're pretty lucky. I mean, we're pretty used to this by now. They are the heartbreak bears. And I think like there are moments that we think they might pull it out and you get, you know, a little bit into it like the old days because you're a fan and you just want them to win. And you're like, they have a chance to win. And then they, and they really do break your heart quite a bit. So it's tough. And nobody wanted to win this game. It, It was the weirdest thing. Like it just kept going back and forth. The bears throw an interception. The saints miss a field goal. Um, that there's penalties, they can't capitalize. And it felt like the bears got the ball back like three different times. And we just kept thinking, wow, the bears could still win this. Like they've had so many turnovers, whether it's the fumbles or the interceptions, and you're still at the end of it, like with three minutes left that things could get better and things could actually come back. But look, it's, it's the Superdome. Yeah. The bears haven't won there since I was six months old. Uh, I remember it. Really? I remember it fondly. I bet vividly every moment when Tommy Waddle caught the touchdown pass in the end. Yeah, that was my first word. Waddle. Wow. 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 And 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 cheater for Harbaugh. No, I'm just kidding. I love him. And sorry, one more thing. I can't remember the numbers, but uh, was it Harbaugh? I believe he was like two for something, like two for nine and a hundred yards or something. They were saying this week on Waddle and Sylvie. I mean, atrocious numbers. Yeah, he had like 66 yards total, I think. Yeah. And I I think he was like 12 of 35. I don't know. It was, it was, bad. It was bad. Like even by Bears quarterback standards, <laughs> yeah. it was bad. <laughs> so with, with that, I just sort of had a feeling that they're not going to win this game, the Superdome, no matter how good or bad the Saints are. It's just not a good place for the Bears to play, which is ironic considering that it's the home of their one and only Super Bowl title. Like that's kind of ironic. Um, especially, but especially for somebody like Tyson Bajan going into like that raucous environment, um, just sort of had a feeling he would throw a bunch of picks, maybe keep the bears into it a little bit. And it, yeah, kind of played out how I thought. So I was very, I, my final score actually in my predictions was 26, 17. So I was only off by two points. Um, that was an excellent prediction. Yeah. Unfortunately he did. It's what's wild is that, you know, while he, the turnovers, you know, reveal that it was difficult for him. I, I thought he did an especially good job of um, making changes at the line. Uh, he was super calm, even yeah. though the noise was escalated. 
And he like, they had their checks and he was very good. I felt like about communicating the checks to everybody on the line. seemed like everybody got them. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't a whole lot of yes. like, there were penalties, but it, it wasn't because of that necessarily. It wasn't because of audibles or changes that he had made on the line. I think oftentimes the changes that he made were communicated and worked, which was impressive. There's a lot. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but there's some things to be impressed with about Tyson Bajan. I think so too. Like I, we harped last week on the pre-snap penalties. I think there was only a couple this week and for being in an environment where it is easy to fall start, it is easy to kind of miss those checks and maybe have an illegal formation or something like that. There were very few of those um, in a sense. So at least that was there. I mean, but we're, we're kind of grasping at straws. I feel like with, <laughs> with looking at these, looking at these uh, silver linings potentially, but um, look, we've, we've got a lot to break down here. Uh, before we do, though, we want to hear from our friends at Sheridan's. So, Jack, take it away. Yeah, they're the best, uh, without a doubt. I still have some T-shirts in my car for you guys, and I'll get them to you as soon as possible. Ooh. Thanks to our guy, Will, at Sheridan's Barbershop, which is located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, and has been serving the community for 69 years with six barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone. At your convenience, you can go to SheridansBarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 or you can head over to Naper Thrill and you can go to the newly acquired Hensel's Barbershop located in downtown Naperville, Illinois or Naper Chill or Naper Thrill, depending on what day you catch me on. Uh, that one's been open since 1966 and there are six barbers there. They're open Tuesdays. Through Saturday, uh, you can walk in if you want, or you can make an appointment. And for that one, you can book yours at Hensel'sBarbershop.com. Uh, hopefully, you don't tire of me spelling it, but it is an odd spelling. So it's H E N C Z E L S, Hensel's Barbershop. Uh, so check out Sheridan's, uh, check out Hensel's. Uh, we're traditional meets modern. All right, Jack, I'm going to leave this up to you. Would you like to hear a breakdown? Or would, should we just go right into it? Since Ryan's not here, I'm just going to do it. For, let's hear it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear it. Me up, I guess. All right, I let's do I it. Wanna, <laughs> I, mean, I, I enjoy them greatly, and so do our fans, I think. We go down to the Big Easy, a.k.a. exactly what it's not like to be a Bears fan, as the Bears take on the New Orleans Saints. And let me tell you, folks, Urban Street was flowing with Bears fans who had the beads ready for hopefully a fun weekend. And speaking of beads, it was the Bears who flashed first. Tyson Benyagent tossed some dough up to Cole Komet for the opening drive touchdown. But the Saints went marching down the field the other way on the ensuing possession. A streetcar named Derek found Chris Alave Garden with the spicy meatball of a touchdown pass to make it 7-7. Yeah, I know it's an Italian reference in the French Quarter, but whatever. Agent and Komet went back for seconds to retake the lead 14-7, but the Saints couldn't be stopped because Taysom, King of the Hill, said, damn it, Bobby, I score touchdowns and touchdown accessories when he tied the game at 14-all at halftime. And a pair of field goals kept this one close, but then New Orleans decided to put this game to bed when Jawan Howard Johnson said night-night with a touchdown pass to go up 24-17. Tyson Benyagent decided to switch over to his other favorite pastry, turnovers to end this game as he had three interceptions with one fumble since go marching 24 17 for the win 
I have a question for you. Yeah. Huh? Do you, while the game is going on or throughout the course of the week, start making like sort of the, the tie-ins and references? Because, I mean, I was going to count them, actually. I, I was going to try to write them down or count them. But there's a good 12 to 15 beautifully woven in references throughout that. It's super creative. How do you, what would you mind? Do you want to share your process or would you I, rather I share not? my process? Sure. Okay. So I usually, there's, I will say very rarely do I ever look anything up. I, okay. I try to just always go off my head. Um, this week, the only thing I looked up was because I was like, there's something with Alave. I don't know what it is. And I saw a fantasy team name that said Alave Garden. I was like, okay, yeah, that's it. Um, but everything else was off the cuff. And so what I usually do is like, I think about it during the week. And I'm, if I'm just like randomly thinking about something, a reference will come in my head and I'm like, all right, I'll save that for later. And hopefully it works out. Um, sometimes like I'll have stuff that just doesn't work because nobody does anything. Um, but I knew with Bajent and beignets with new Orleans, I was like, that's a lock. Um, dare a streak, you know, a streetcar named Derek, that was a lock. Um, and uh, Taysom King of the Hill was a lock. So, yeah, a few of them I was like, I've had them in the chamber. Um, and it's just, yeah, you got to hope that they sort of present themselves so it happens. That's super funny. It's good stuff, my man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, so let's, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about this. Um, anybody who's in the chat as well. I know we got um, got some people in there. Adam Chrisman, TJ Brooks, of course. Uh, feel free to chime in. We'll share them because it's only the two of us. So we'd love to kind of get everybody's feedback. Um, but yeah, I, uh, like I said, I just thought this game sort of went as expected, but I'm telling you, I was hyped for that first drive. Like, I, I don't remember, maybe the commanders was the other one, but like, I just was feeling like just energized and excited and just something I hadn't felt before with that first drive when the bears wanted the ball. They, you know, for the third time, I think this year, they decided to keep the ball and not defer, which is very unusual for an NFL team. And they go down and Bajent has himself like the best drive of the game culminated by one of the best Cole Komet catches. We've probably like the best or second best catch we've seen in Cole Komet's career. So uh, I want to hear your thoughts about like that first drive. Cause I thought it was perfect. The catch was remarkable, especially, I, I don't know about you. Do you ever, when you're watching a play, do you ever like fast forward in your mind as to how it's going to turn out? Because on that one, the way that one was going to turn out in my mind was that it was just going to be like this ugly batting around of the ball with nobody actually getting any, any type of possession whatsoever. I mean, I thought wh wh where the defender was draped on Komet, Komet's body position and the placement of the ball, in my mind, I thought no freaking way will he come down with that. And so the way that he then ended up not only catching it, while he was diving, but then possessing it like through the catch, through the fall. I don't, I mean, it was really a, a it was a great catch. I mean, just a really phenomenal catch. As far as the first drive, I, I've got to say, I, I wonder what you think about this. I, I, I'm i not sure why we come out an empty first play of the game um, uh, two weeks in a row, especially against the defenses that we're facing. Now, I don't think it backfired this week like it did last week, but. I just, I'm curious as to, I mean, maybe I shouldn't question because ultimately they marched down the field and they scored. And, and a lot of times that first drive is based on scripted plays. And a lot of times those drives are the best drives that you have all game long. 
And so it, it did work. I just, is the team still trying to find an identity in the long run of the entirety of the game? Is is that the, the way that you'd like to see the Bears start? Or is it just not worth second guessing because, hey, Jack, they scored on the first drive? I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's worth second guessing because you're on the road and I think this is kind of what Getsy's done because it, it happened to the chargers It happened. You know what? Actually, coincidentally, I don't think maybe this isn't a coincidence, but think about the commanders game, the chargers game and the saints game. What do all three of those games have in common? Opening drive touchdowns. No, unfortunately, because the the Chargers didn't have it, but um, opening, opening play, deep-ish shots mm, to Darnell yeah. Mooney. Yes. Each one. Darnell Mooney was the, the first one for the Commanders. He couldn't reel yeah. it in. Uh, Chargers, that 41-yard pass that and ended up going backwards that didn't result in points. And then this week, Darnell Mooney was the first one to get the pass, and I think it was like maybe like a 15-yarder. So Getty's clearly saying, like, we're going to – we know we're on the road. We're already sound, kind of playing from behind anyway. Let's just go out there, make some big plays, see what happens. And yeah. it's now worked in this. The play itself didn't work against the commanders, but they did score a touchdown on the first drive. Mm-hmm. The play worked against the chargers and it got them to midfield, but they couldn't do anything with it. And they went backwards, didn't get the touchdown. And then this week, of course they did get the touchdown. So in a sense, they all kind of did work. I don't mind the aggressiveness because you know, you have to play what better way to get the crowd out of it than going for that deep shot. Because then, you know, the opening crowd's like, Oh God, we're, you know, this is, this is a little bit different now. And then you give your defense potentially a chance to play up on the road. I think that's, you know, not a bad strategy. And I mean, I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't translated into wins. You still think taking the ball, which goes against, I believe, pretty much the entire rest of the NFL strategy when it comes to the. I mean, usually you defer, right? So usually, usually. I mean, maybe well, it, Bears team. It is the right thing to do, just based on what you alluded to a moment ago. Maybe so that okay that part that is a little bit trickier because then you know a, a team could double up at the half and you essentially gave right. them the opportunity to do so because you go down in the second half and then you get the ball back and then you know you could be pl- uh, playing from behind even more that mm-hmm. didn't happen with the saints this time uh they got the three and out it did happen against the commanders though the commanders opened the yeah. third quarter with that big drive and i believe the chargers might have two or at least they doubled up i can't remember yeah but um that so that is the other side of the coin though i think it's a fair point whereas you do that but you better damn score because if you don't now you're just you know giving you're putting a lot more pressure in your defense because you know that third quarter's coming so um it's interesting i was listening on that point uh, listening to the last manning cast it was a bit of a revelation for me because I can't remember, you know, which team had possession of the ball, but there was three or four minutes left. And that team that had the ball with three or four minutes left in the first half was set to get the kick, you know, to, to get a return in the second half. And where did Peyton Manning's mind go? He's like, that team that possessed the ball. Let, I can't remember who. Um, let's say it was the Bills. The, like the Bills in that situation, he was like, you know what we can do is we can score quick and then we can get a stop and we can score again before half. And then we'll get the ball at the beginning of the second <laughs> half. And that yeah. like that was that was Manning's thinking. Like it, you know, from a guy who 
Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. He said that, you know, like almost like it was rote memory. Like that, here's the strategy, guys. Here's what we're going to try to do. Quick score, get a stop, get the ball back. If we can, and of course he's he's aiming high, but at yeah. the very least you get a score at the beginning of the half, you get the ball back, and you get another score at the beginning of the second half. Um, so I don't know. I I guess I wouldn't mind looking back to see how those first drives turned out for our opponents in the last three games and, you know, having, having the, being able to receive the ball in the second half. Well, it is interesting you say it because the bears did have the missed field goal at the end of the first half with about uh, what, like 30 seconds left. Basically yep. the saints got 31 yards and they were in a position to potentially kick a late field goal, but they got pushed back and then they had to, you know, do the Hail Mary, but there, the option was there. And then they didn't get the, uh, like I said, they had the third and out or three and out coming into the second half. So, you know, thankfully it wasn't executed, but the options were there. So score and score, the score and score. Correct. So, um, yeah, Yeah. I don't know. And and it is interesting for a team that just isn't very good to Mm -hmm. kind of have that mentality. But again, I liked it and I liked the play calling too. Um, Mm -hmm. this is something we were talking a little bit about, um, before we came on, a lot of people were blasting Luke Getze as usual. They didn't like the play calling. I thought it was okay. I was like, maybe I didn't like love it, love it because there were some things that would change, but I thought the plays were actually pretty good. I think the execution wasn't there and not to sound like Eberflus, but (laughs) like, it's hard to win a game when. You have five turnovers, but it's only a one-score game. You outgained the Saints like crazy for the entire game. You had you sustained most of your drives were sustained. Um, you also had a missed field goal in there. So I, I actually thought like the the balance of run and pass was pretty good. Um, the the plays themselves I thought that were pretty effective. It's just they weren't fully executed well. What do you think? As we talked about, you know. Pre-show fist fight. I can't uh, steal that from Waldo and Sylvie. Yeah, <laughs> we weren't even fist fighting. We were hugging. Um, so I think it was. Uh, I think I agree with you. I can only think of two beefs that people might have, but I'd love to hear if there are more beefs. Um, please. Um, you saw me complain about the uh, wide receiver screen isolation to Evans. And I just didn't understand why Evans, I, I think if you're going to run a wide receiver screen in a crucial late game situation, I would think that Evans would be pretty low down the list of people um, that I would want to throw it to. Um, you know, I mm-hmm. think like, maybe if you know, they are doubling DJ more then you've got good numbers on the opposite side uh, because the defense has um, decided to, you know, stack the other half of the field. But even then, I don't know why, like, I mean, I think I would go Mooney. I think I would go Scott. I think I would go, well, I won't say his name because everybody will get pissed, but there's a lot of guys I think I would go with who are elusive. Oh, say his name, Jack. You can not say gonna, it. No, not going to say it. Uh, so, <laughs> and then, and I think your response is good, but I, I think there are people who would argue that you still scheme to get DJ more open regardless. And actually, I think it was Rusty on my thread was saying, I mean, you don't think Tyree Kill would have been schemed open? You don't think Stefan Diggs would have been schemed open? You don't think Justin Jefferson would have been schemed open? You know what I mean? Like, so I think they're both good points. Your point, and I'm I'm kind of stealing it from you in advance, is that you know the defensive secondary of the New Orleans Saints is elite and they have two mm-hmm. corners that are outstanding. 
and he was bound to maybe have a bad game. But I maybe if there were like a history of Luke Getze isolating DJ Moore and getting him the ball, but like this was just an outlier, I might be willing to give him more of a pass. But he he doesn't seem to quite be able to figure out how to scheme his best playmaker open, and that that's a real problem. Uh, all the other stuff you said, I agree with. I thought it was yeah. a great balance of run and pass. Uh, our time of possession was fantastic. Uh, we outgained them in total yards, 368 to to, to 301. Um, I mean, we were comparable in first downs, third downs, uh, not so great in the red zone, two for four. But like generally speaking, I mean, and especially with a rookie quarterback, uh, with a game that it seemed like he could handle, with a, a play shit that seemed like fit to his uh, strengths, pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll give you on, I'll give you that on DJ Moore. And maybe this is also me just not being surprised that he was unable to do anything. Right. Because the look, going back to his days in Carolina, I saw this earlier in the week. I put out the stat on Twitter. I used it in my articles. DJ Moore against the Saints, he he's awful because the Saints know how to play him. Marshawn Lattimore is, you know, I don't know. I don't think he was lined up on him exclusively this game. Um, didn't hear from him that much, but they know how to blanket DJ Moore. And so in three games, I went back to 2021 because like recent history, I think made sense uh, to do that. Um, back in, tw- in 2021 for the, you know, three games since uh, DJ Moore played, like I said, in three games, he had like four catches for 41 yards and no touchdowns. In the one game that Lattimore missed, he had like eight catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. So that told me that the Saints play DJ tight and it's going to be hard to get him the ball. So I sort of already kind of cast him aside that like, hey, this is not going to be a DJ Moore game. Other people are going to have to step up, which I thought Darnell Mooney would have. And he did, thankfully. Uh, But you are right in the sense that he is your top playmaker. You know, he's a top playmaker. He's already started to like ask for the ball more. You got to find uh, different ways to get him there. And they just, they weren't able to do that. Um, it, it does happen sometimes. And to your point about Tyreek Hill, he was bottled up today against the chiefs too, but that was the was. first time he yeah. was basically able to do anything he wanted for the first few weeks or the, for the first half of the season. That hasn't been the case with Getsy and DJ Moore this year, because we've seen this now for the last few weeks. So um, your, your point is well taken. TJ Brooks gets, he lost credibility when he tried command under center. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, it's hard to come back from <laughs> that motion. I I mean, for what it's worth. And it's maybe not worth much. I, I've seen other teams do it. I still don't like it. I, in fact, I think I hate it. I just don't know why you motion and a tight end and then have that tight end take a, you know, a snap from center, which he's not accustomed to doing. Uh, there's, there's a lot of better options than that. Now, TJ, let's be fair. Does he lose all credibility because of that? I mean, we could maybe start adding a list of things, you know, like the (laughs) predictability with the screens or, you know, some of the handling uh, of Justin Fields that we're not pleased with. Um, And and we could probably get to to a lack of credibility. But but I get it. People um, I mean, I guess the thing I would ask uh, if maybe you agree with Brendan or if you agree with me here, and it's a point that we're probably going to come back to later. But is there a possibility that these coaches who are relatively new in their positions are learning, developing, and growing just like the players? And 
you know, we used to always say, maybe it was cliche. Like when we practiced, you either got worse or you got better, but you didn't stay the same, you know? And I mean, is, is there a chance that Luke Getze is getting better at, at what, what it is that he does? I'm on record for saying he either play calls like a champion or he play play calls terribly. Do we have two games in a row now, Brendan, or three out of the last four that he play called decently or no? Yeah, um, I think so. There was a few, again, you can always, and you could do this with any team too. This isn't just the bears. You can nitpick and say, I don't like that play. That was trash. I didn't like this play. Um, the the Tyler Scott and Iran, for example, with Tyson Bajant trying to block Cameron Jordan. Uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Bad. Don't don't put your quarter one. Don't put your quarterback out there against a a former All Pro uh, defensive lineman. But um, I think overall he's been he's been better. I mean, you can take like the chunks from week one to week three versus week four on. And maybe like the Vikings game, I think is the big outlier in that sense because the Vikings game just had no rhythm. Um, I understand that that was also the game fields went out and maybe things changed, but at the same time, we didn't, we didn't like what we saw no matter what. Um, but for the most part, it, it was a decently called game. Um, I do think that Adam Chrisman has a fair point here too. Foreman only had a couple carries in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He was eaten. He was, yep. you know, really, really busting out, especially in that second half. And then they kind of went away from him. Uh, part of that, I think is when, the Saints, you know, kind of started to take a little bit more control of the game. Um, you start playing from behind a little bit more, but you know, somebody like Foreman, you do need to run the ball with him a little bit more, especially as he was getting going, especially running on that right side. Um, but look, yes, to your, I would agree saying that overall Luke Getzey has improved. How much has he improved? Is it like drastic enough where we feel good about it overall? I don't think so, but at the same time, these coaches are growing. Um, I said that last year as well. Um, and then, of course, the first few weeks of the season, he completely regressed and things got worse. But you're right. Like these these men are growing. They're they're still relatively new at their jobs. It stinks because it's the NFL and that can't be the case, especially, you know, when you're making millions of dollars and you're judged on wins and losses and some, you know, sort of that production. Um, but if you're looking for those like small moral victories, yes, he's gotten a bit better. I was trying to, I mean, it was, if we just go back in recent history, it was 13 points against the Vikings, 30 points against the Raiders, 13 against the Chargers, um, 17 against the Saints. So we are not reaching a point of clearly of offensive proficiency and, you know, uh, <laughs> high scoring. But again, I, you know, maybe we're just carrying water here. Like we know it, you know, Bears fans, they, the, the, the Bears aren't very good. The Bears lost. The Bears lose. <laughs> they only won two games. We understand all of that and that the offense isn't overly proficient or or dynamic. But I do think that that it, it has shown improvement um, in some facets of the game as we're specifically talking about. And, and, I, and I do think that's fair. You're starting to see a bit of balance and an effective running attack. Um You've got, I think, a, a rookie quarterback who shows nice poise in the pocket and does a nice job of um, dumping it off when necessary. Um, seems to be able to hit some crossing routes and find his tight end pretty well. Um, you know, so there's a little bit of balance that that's there. Um, so for a team that is still in a rebuild um, and the situation that they're in, not bad. But last week I I thought it was honestly kind of a pile of 
a shit to, to heap a lot of criticism on either, you know, Getzy or, or Flus, to be honest. Um, you, you know, you're, you're, you're starting quarterback, you're starting running back, you're starting left guard, you're starting right guard, you're starting safety. Am I forgetting anybody? Uh, Linebacker all, got hurt. Yeah, we're all out. I mean, and and like I, I said, and we don't have to go back a week for long. We don't have to do that. But I just, I mean, you tell any coach, you know, anywhere uh, in a rebuild against the Chargers on the road that you're going to, like, hey, I need you to go win that game with all those pieces missing. I mean, come on. Like, that's that's nearly impossible, right? I mean... And they didn't play. Well, no, they didn't play very well. But <laughs> no, they didn't. And that's no, uh, look. We're not going to rehash it. But I'll just yeah. say, they got their they got their doors blown off. Like mm-hmm. it was thirty to thirteen. It should have been a lot more because the Chargers yep. took their gas off the yes. pedal or their yes. pedal off the gas because <laughs> they didn't <laughs> need to. They were getting uh, look, gas let's, um, when let's... they got irritated <laughs> and they drove away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that is just you <laughs> okay oh sorry uh, I that was the Chargers. that's all right that's all right all right we're going to uh i want to kind of break this up a little bit uh i want to do outhouse penthouse before we get right. into i want to have a conversation about tyson bajan so with that it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse i almost just say i almost just want to do it myself because i feel like i can do that voice too but um the Outhouse and the Penthouse is brought to you by our friend Jeff Cadwallader. He has been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. And the guy has been killing it. You know, it's the beginning. He started at the beginning of the year. It's now towards the end of the year. He's been growing and it doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is your guy because he still does residential as well. So if you're in the market, if you're looking to buy, looking to sell, looking to even just get some advice, um, you know, it's it's a very difficult process. We know, especially, you know, if you're interested in buying or selling commercial real estate, that's a whole nother process. Jeff's your guy. So make sure you call or text him with SVN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or visit GenevaJeff.com. All right. So because it's just us two, there's a lot more options. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, go back and forth. So we're going to do two each. Yeah. We're gonna oh, do let's two go. Each. Oh, what is that? I have seen my screen do like it does things. Oh, if you do like little reactions like that. Yeah. I, I saw what? somebody do a heart. Yeah. Like you could do that. I think you can hold on. Look at that. Where is it? Oh my God. Why am I working? For those of you listening, no, we're oh, come on. making thumbs up <laughs> and doing other things, and the screen does icons. Did you do two? Is that did that is work? That what I did. I don't know. Why is that? Oh yeah, I said two. Working. You get two? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it only works for you. I can't do it. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know what that's. Oh cool. man. Okay, that is cool. All right, Jack. You know what? Lead us off. All right. So they lost. So it's 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 outhouse. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is gross. Well, listen, I, I feel like there's a little bit of a saga with Eddie Jackson. Uh, I was very critical of him two seasons ago. And I think rightfully so at the time, because we didn't know what was happening in his personal life in terms of just his play on the field. It was bad. Um, and there's no way around it. It was like the infamous, you know, quote from the, 
from the practice where he said, like, don't worry about tackling, you know, just get interceptions. And then we found out things were really incredibly difficult in his life. And I think a lot of us paused and we're like, okay, wait a minute. We've got people here. People are going through trauma. Bit of a bounce back last year. Felt like he played much better uh, throughout the course of the season. But I think we've got enough of a body of work from Eddie Jackson now to see that his time has passed here at, at, at Chicago. Um, he's, a, he's a poor tackler. He's a really poor tackler. He's, he's I think, been a poor tackler really the preponderance of his career here. Uh, he, he tries to tackle high. He tried to tackle Taysom Hill high. Like that dude is built like, you know, a brick shit house. Like you don't, don't <laughs> try to tackle him high. And I, I think the last thing I would say about him uh, is that he, I always just see, and I said this on the thread, I see him as always hedging his bets, always hanging back a little yeah. bit to be like, you know, maybe if uh, no one else makes the tackle, I will. Now you could say, well, he's the safety. And so maybe he's hanging back just in case a play breaks, but I just feel like he'd rather avoid contact. Does he get any pass deflections? Does he get you know many interceptions? Does he, I don't see him making plays. I don't see him being a dynamic safety in the league. And I think, uh, you know, at the end of the year, you know, he should be uh bye-bye baby. So Eddie Jackson is in my outhouse. He did have the first tackle of the game for the Bears, which was interesting. But, you know, yeah. I, I do agree. He kind of just hangs back a little bit. He doesn't make that aggressive play. Maybe he's no. just worried about getting beat or something. But then guys get an extra, like, two to five yards out of that if he's not hitting at, like, the first opportunity. So that's yes. very fair. Yeah. Uh, uh, mine goes to, we mentioned him already, uh, DJ Moore. Uh, it stinks. It's not only the fact that you were sort of taken out of the game. We also had that costly fumble too, when the bears were kind of driving. He, it, it was a very nice pass and catch from Bajan to Moore. He gets it knocked out. And then uh, I believe they were able to score a field goal off that. So they did get points off it. Mm-hmm. So DJ Moore only had three catches, 44 yards uh, on five targets. Just not what you want to see out of your number one, which stinks. So um, I, I could forgive the, the stat line, like, you know, his production, just knowing what, you know, the Saints defense can do to him, but you can't have that fumble. Like that's, that's crucial, especially for somebody like DJ Moore. It just seems out of character for him. He's very unlike him. He's, he's just so good with the ball. So good after the catch. And um, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. He, he's been money on like the, like over four and a half catches prop, like week in and week out. Right? And like, yeah. so I, I didn't happen to place it this week, but I'm, you know, it's surprising to see him have that, that few catches. Um, well, I mean, maybe it's unfair, but the world is unfair. I mean, Tyson Bajan would be my other outhouse. I mean, to be responsible for four turnovers, I mean, we've got to protect the ball. There's a lot of things that we can say about him being a rookie. and But the bottom line is that he was responsible for four turnovers, uh, three interceptions and a fumble, if I'm correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, to have a, a five turnover to no turnover ratio in a game with a team like the Bears pretty much guarantees a loss. And uh, so I think he, in turning the ball over, played a big part in today's loss. I think so, too. And we're, we're going to talk more a little bit about him um, because I kind of want to get into that in a deeper conversation after mm-hmm. this. Uh, my other outhouse goes to Matt Eberflus's decision to continue to rotate offensive linemen. Hmm. Enough. Uh, stop doing it. Okay. I understand guys are coming back from injury and you want to sort of protect them and everything. 
I understand that. But if a guy's healthy to play and he's healthy enough to start, leave him out there. Okay. Because all you're doing is creating confusion and you're making things worse because what happened today with Braxton Jones getting the start and then Larry Boren rotating him uh, with him, you're not getting that consistency on the line. I understand that Borum's played now for the last like four ish, four to five weeks because of Braxton's injury, but you're just not letting him gel. And now you're just disrupting a line that, especially on that left side, isn't very good with Cody Whitehair too. Like the right side was clearly the strong side and Borum himself, once again, did not have a good day. This better be the end of this. Okay. I know that you're trying to get these guys reps and everything, but if Braxton's healthy enough to play, let him be out there and keep Borum on the sideline. Just a, enough with the rotating. I think it's a really stupid idea. This is like the third time I think they've done it. Uh, they did it with Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick, and I think they did it with uh, somebody else a few weeks ago. Atkins or no? Maybe. I, I can't remember. But either way, just stop doing it. It doesn't It doesn't help anything. It confuses everybody. Um, just enough. So that's uh, that's my other outhouse. Any credence to the announcers talking about just sheer wind for uh, for Braxton in terms of like his uh, ability to keep up his conditioning and play the position for the entire game? Maybe. I mean, I, yeah, maybe. Uh, still like, stop. <laughs> still just stop. <laughs> again, stop. If you're not ready, yeah. like. No, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I think, especially as a professional athlete, like we're. Yeah, you know, are, are we doing load management now for the NFL? Like, especially when the guys, yeah, I, I just don't buy that. Especially when it's not like a knee either. Like, I understand yeah. it's a neck, but you're still able to move. You're still able to walk. Yes. You're still able to potentially run, most likely. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just don't totally buy that. I would agree with that. Uh, uh, all right, penthouse snake draft, or are you going? Are you going again, or me? No, no, no. Go for it. Oh, thanks. Man. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go. Um, I'm going to go Jack Sanborn, as I like to say, that dog can hunt. Uh, what a great game, uh, filling in for Edmonds, uh, you know, at the middle linebacker, uh, he had, uh, 10 total tackles, including eight solo tackles and one TFL. It was nice to see him come up off, off the edge, off tackle and just tiny Elvin Kamara at, at, the line of scrimmage, not, you know, not three, four or five yards down the field, which um, was just great. I mean, from the very onset, um, Sanborn has uh, had an ability to find the ball and uh, always be around the ball, uh, whether that's tackling or knockdowns or, you know, interceptions. And so it's great to see him just continue to be so, so good, uh, you know, in the, in the bears defense. Somebody asked the question, a few people actually, and I know it was shared on our text thread. Like, yes. is it weird that the Bears paid so much money for somebody like Tremaine Edmonds and to a lesser extent TJ Edwards when Jack Sanborn was already such an instinctive player that didn't cost anything, who already showed that he was a good player in this defense? Because he showed overall, I mean, he showed a lot more today than maybe like what. Tremaine Edmonds has shown in many of his games, uh, even though he's got more turnovers. What do you think about that? I think it's a valid question. However, two things. One, in terms of being able to run sideline to sideline, I think uh, Tremaine Edwards is better. And I, I guess I'd like to maybe verify this statement by watching, but but I believe the other key factor with signing Edmonds was his ability, his, his height 
his agility, his ability to run uh, with with uh, RBs and tight ends uh, across zones and formations. And I, I my my sense is that Sanborn is as good as he is is not as good in the passing game, and and we are in an era of being able to stop. If you if, if you're in this division, if you're going to win eventually, you're going to have to stop ostensibly Kirk Cousins, you know, and and Addison and, and Justin Jefferson. You're you're going to have to stop passing games ultimately. And so I think you need linebackers to do that. It's not it's not a bad question though. Yeah, look, he's yeah, you have to defend the pass. And I think Sanborn does that to an extent. Um he's more of that downhill kind of guy who can get in uh, at the line of scrimmage, make those TFLs and Edmonds is more of that field general guy. They're different players. Yes. Um, and, and I understand the need for having them, but the good news is you have both of them and Sanborn still sees reps with, you know, Edwards and Edmonds on the team too. So it's not like he's like being, you know, going to waste or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it definitely is an interesting question for that. Uh, my penthouse, um, boy, I wanted, I was between two, but because it's been so long since we've been able to talk about this guy, I want to give him his due. Uh, Darnell Mooney, again, I predicted, thankfully, accurately, that he was going to have himself a day, and he did. Uh, five catches, 82 yards on six targets, too. So he didn't even lead the team on targets, but he made the most of pretty much all of them. Uh, just you know, some nice crossers, some nice opportunities to get some yards after the catch. I think he had a nice screen pass, too, even, where he was taking it. Um for a guy who's just been so boomer bust this year, he's had a few games with zero catches, zero yards. Um, last week, of course, we talked about the 41 yard catch and then didn't do anything afterwards. It was awesome to see that he was like a much bigger focal point of the offense. And it just kind of feels like he was more, one of the forgotten guys in the, uh, in the receiving room. So good to see that him bounce back. Hopefully, this sort of like leads him to be being back as like the, the strong wide receiver too, instead of somebody who just goes in the background. It's a really good point. I think that on the onset of the season, that was kind of the thought, right? Was that, you know, DJ Moore would be, you know, the clear number one. And if they decided to, you know, um, you know, uh, blanket coverage him, that then that would provide more opportunities for Darnell Mooney. And I don't think it's really happened up until the last couple of games and he is athletic and he is fast and he's sure-handed. And uh, yeah, I think that's a great call on the, on the penthouse, but it makes my choice tough. Oh, does it? Maybe we should have a separate segment for Cole Komet. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is tough. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go linebackers. Uh, I mean, TJ Edwards, you know, if, if you got a question about Edmonds or you got a question about, you know, Yannick, I think to me that there's no more questions about TJ Edwards. Like he is a beast, uh, 15 total tackles, 10 solo. Uh, he had one tackle for a loss. He had uh, a pass deflection and a quarterback hit. I mean, I don't know if the, the stats I just looked up a minute ago are, are the most up to date, but you know, um, he was third in tackles in the NFL last I looked. Um, and I think that the, the sense that we had that perhaps those tackles were happening further down the field was a bit of a fallacy based on um, the PFF numbers that we saw uh, earlier this week, where the Bears were ranked pretty darn high, weren't they, in terms of like uh, in terms of stuffing the run? Um, oh yeah, the best, amongst the best in the league. Uh, and Their run defense is elite. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, TJ Edwards. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how do we keep? 
Cole come out out of this conversation. That's like maybe we're doing it wrong, but um, I'm just I was impressed with those two linebackers today. No, we're we're gonna give this is gonna be Cole Komet, don't worry. But wh- while you said that, okay. I, I want to give props to the Bears run defense because it continues to do well. Um, and then the the re-signing of Andrew Billings this week kind of fortified that. Yep. Uh, when I was looking up, yeah, when I was looking up run yards uh, per game, the Bears last year had 100. We're giving up 157 yards per game. This year, it's 78. Now maybe that's that's uh, different now. Yeah, I know that's literally like half. They cut it in Ooh. half. <laughs> it's amazing. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. That's really impressive. Huh. I, I know. And I know, but, like, I was just kind of using it in a sense of, like, to show Andrew Billings' uh, impact. But I know it's not all him. It's guys like TJ Edwards. It's guys like Demarcus Walker. Their run defense has improved dramatically, and that has helped this defense overall because it's made offenses become one-dimensional. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's, I mean – I mean, we try not to go meathead too often, but that's that's like that's monsters of the midway, black and blue, old school Bears football right there. That's that's fun. Let's go. I'm, it's not bad. And look, uh, New Orleans rushing twenty seven carries, eighty seven yards. So just a little above the uh, the average there. Not not terrible um, for what this was. Do you know where but, that uh, in the in the league by chance? I'm not trying to put you in the spot, but did they, they were I, they were like top five. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I think there were seventh in yards per carry too. So either way, like they're getting okay. it done. Good. Um, cool. All right. Look, we have, we just got to give it to Cole Komet for the final. Yeah, right? uh, dude was <laughs> balling. We talked about that first catch. The second catch though, we haven't talked about that. I loved the play design and how he held his release for just long enough, had a, or held his block for just long enough and had a perfect release to get to that corner part of the end zone. Just beautiful job by Cole Komet. And that's some, that's something you get, with an inline uh, tight end like that, where you sell the block long enough, you're good at it, but then you have enough speed and power to get out and track the ball in the end zone. I thought that was um, just a, a beautiful play. And yeah, Cole Komet is a, he's a good tight end, man. Like, some people may not think so. Um, I, I said he's not, I don't think Cole Komet is elite, but like you have to be Travis Kelsey. You have to be, I don't know maybe Mark Andrews or something. You have to be like a top two or three tight end to be elite. I think he's firmly in that like top seven, you know, top eight category. And that's, that's perfect. I think that's, that's phenomenal for what you're asking him to do. So um, let me read you the stat line real quickly. Cole Komet had six catches on eight targets, 55 yards. And then of course the two touchdowns. So solid, solid stat line for uh, the Bears tight end. I'm honestly curious because we all, I mean, we know here that the elephant in the room is that, you know, all year long and all last year that Patrick Sheldon is not a big Cole Komet fan. And one of the things that he's had beef with him about is that he's a good like zone sit down tight end, but that he can't gain separation. That second touchdown, true or false, an example of gaining separation. I mean, that is true. He developed like you said, he was able to stay in line long enough to sell it. And then once he was able to like create that cushion, he kept it throughout the course of the route, that separation, three to four yards from the nearest defender. And then what a, what a sweet dime, nice ball that was from um, from Bajent and, and a great catch. He's pretty darn sure-handed. I mean, did you say how many how many targets and catches he had or just catches? I'm just curious. No, he had uh, six catches on eight targets. I mean, and I agree with okay. you. Maybe he's not like 
I mean, he's trending towards top five in the league if you were to continue and stay healthy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've said it before. There's a lot of mediocre in the league when it comes to tight ends. And ours is better than mediocre for sure. And in the discussion of amongst the best so far. And I think he's yeah. really invested in blocking a ton. The announcers, I think at least once today, alluded to a block that he had thrown that was was an excellent block. So, yeah, for sure. I'm okay. Um, <laughs> I'm okay with him too. Uh, but look, I want to get to the conversation of Tyson Bajan because I think okay. we've been kind of positive about this episode yeah. uh, about like the Bears game, which is interesting considering they lost. But I kind of put this, I mean, not kind of, I really put this loss on Tyson Bajan. And it's not to like, you know, crap on him while he's down or anything like that because we know, we know who he is, the undrafted rookie, all of that. But I mean, you, you turn the ball over four times by yourself, essentially. You have some terrible throws, a bad read on that Cole Komet interception, and then two just inaccurate throws where you can't miss as badly as you did going to Tyler Scott and Darnell Mooney to get picked off in the second half. Um, so his his stat line, I'll just read it, 18 for 30, 220. The two touchdowns to Komet, three interceptions, uh, only took two sacks, which isn't, isn't bad. Uh, credit to the line and credit to him for navigating the pocket uh, with a quarterback rating of 65.3. So my question to you is maybe on a scale of one to 10, how much is this loss on Tyson Bajan and kind of give me your thoughts on him as a, you know, just as his performance overall. Well, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I may back into the first question because I think we all agree that his poise is excellent, especially as a D2 undrafted free agent rookie. He stands in the pocket well and he either a shows the ability to be incredibly elusive when the pocket breaks down by either running he does a nice job of choosing when to run and he can run uh he's he's nice on the scramble uh or if the pocket breaks down he does a nice job of of dumping to an outlet or throwing the ball away now let's i mean we could if we wanted to we could belabor that and i I don't think we necessarily want to do a comparison between, you know, Justin, uh, it's not, I, I'm, I'm not real interested in the toxic debates that are going on on, on Twitter, but rather just to say yeah. that I, I personally think that there's little doubt that that is an area that if fields were to improve upon, there would be little doubt as to whether or not Justin Fields would be our franchise quarterback going forward. Just those, that element that I just mentioned, that alone <laughs> maybe you'd add processing but when justin gets in the most trouble is when he doesn't handle the situations i just alluded to in a similar fashion that bajan handles them and i think he, i think tyson bajan handles them pretty darn well um like i said i think he's pretty good at the line of scrimmage he's pretty good at making checks of course i'm not inside the huddle and i'm not inside you know the film room so i don't know if he's making the correct checks against the correct defenses and so forth but uh, he seems to have a command of the huddle a command of the offense uh i think his arm strength is better than average uh, i think he can throw a deep out i think he can hit somebody on a nine rod if he needs to um i think there's a lot of upside and he's only going to get better the more he plays um i just think that his ceiling uh is way lower than justin fields i think his ceiling is lower than we'd want it to be if he were going to be the quarterback that would change the trajectory of this franchise. And I know I said that last week, and I just keep thinking about it because that's what it takes to make 
a great football team in the NFL as a quarterback that changes the trajectory of your franchise. And let's, that's, if we're being honest, that is not Tyson Bagent. And if we're being honest, he's a huge part of why they lost the game today because he turned the ball over four times. You'd say that of anybody, any quarterback in the league, if they turn the ball over four times, you know, obviously he's not solely responsible, but he's largely responsible for the loss. Okay. So just curious, what's the, what's the number? Uh, what percentage? Or just like one, uh, one out of 10, 10 being everything's his fault and he should be left at the, you know, at the airport. <laughs> let's go. Let's go seven and a half. Okay. I was also thinking seven or eight. So we're, okay. we're kind of on the same line there. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it's just, we're seeing now that he's a guy and I'm essentially just going to say it in a simpler way that you just eloquently put it. He's a guy you can win with. He's not a guy you win because of, mm, because well when the, when the game's on the line and he's starting to play from behind, uh, we've seen this. I mean, you can argue you've seen it from Justin too. It's just, you know, I, I feel like Bajan has made worse throws and there's been, you know, a lot more dinking and dunking to try and get it right. Um, but when thing, yeah, when he's kind of like, you know, backs up against the wall you just don't see those smart throws or those accurate throws. And then he starts holding on to the ball a little bit too long. And, you know, that's where the fumble comes in too. Um, when things are working and you have a lead and you have a run game, that's just beating the piss out of somebody. Things are going to be good. I, he can play within that. He's calm. He's, he does have that demeanor. Um, but I think like, it still just can only take you so far with what he has to offer. Um, but I've said it, I, I've, I've been a broken record. That's sort of what you get from a backup quarterback. You need the rest of the team to elevate him and to be good enough to win. And he's just not going to make those crucial mistakes. And then when things end up kind of falling from behind or when you do have to play from behind, that's where the issues come in. And we saw that with the, uh, with a couple interceptions and yeah, it, it changed the game in my opinion, because um, the saints did get those points off turnovers. I think they got at least 10, so if you're talking about that, then that's the game because otherwise the Bears win 17-14. 17-14. Yeah, so that's that's clearly where the issue lies here. Um, again, we can talk about the some of the play calls. We can talk about not scheming DJ Moore. Um, all of those are valid, but when push came to shove, Bajan had the ball in his hands and he couldn't do anything with it. And or at least you know, especially in the second half, things were just falling apart. The Saints defense was kind of dropping back a little bit more. Um, while also bringing pressure. I know that doesn't make sense, but um, I, I'm just saying like they were spying him a little bit more and, uh, and look what happened. So it, yeah, it's just, it, it's one of those, I know people on, on Twitter are having those debates of like, well, see like Bajan's not all that. And you know, it's, I don't, I just don't like the, every, you know, people trying to pick a side and everything. Like I, I'm on the side of the bears and I don't care who's playing quarterback. I hope that the starter returns, but I just want the team to win. And then just to stay in contention because I hate, I don't want to root for losses for two years in a row and spend two years of my football life just hoping that we lose out to get better draft picks. I hate that. And like, it's, it's just getting to that point now. Um, the good news is we don't have to do that this Thursday because we want the Bears to win. So the Panthers continue to lose, but uh, that's just not a fun way to live. Um, so the discourse on social media has been interesting the last few days. Yeah, the last week has been, uh, it's been something else, hasn't it? And I think the thing that uh, you said that it was the most apt is really you saw him hang on to the ball, Tyson Vigent, 
like more and more as the game went on. And that's, I mean, for a dude that has thrown, you know, uh, a couple of interceptions, he's probably starting to get a little gun shy. Uh, and, and I, and I get that. I mean, he's probably really, you know, get as confident as he is, he wouldn't be human if he wasn't second guessing himself a bit after, you know, tossing, um, tossing a through, tossing a few interceptions. So, yeah. And I will say the protection looked pretty good at like so for too. the most part. Yes. It was just when he hung on too long. Uh, right. I mean, do, do you think it's apples to apples in terms of Justin hanging on to the ball too long when he gets in trouble and the way in which Bajant did, or did our offensive line seem to suddenly let us down when we most needed them on the last two drives or both? It's a little of both because I do remember there were a few plays and I have to go back and watch the film, but there were a few plays where like pressure was coming in a little bit more. Um, I do remember distinct plays where Bajan had a lot of time and he's like kind of looking, he's processing. Looking. Um, we, we know he has the quick feet in the pocket and you could just see him kind of moving off, you know, from read to read. Um, sometimes it's hard to see if Justin's doing that. Like we, I think at times presume he's not, but we don't actually know. It's just with how, direct and how um purposeful Bajan is with some of his movements we can see it and justin's a yes. little bit more um i've used the word lackadaisical in the pocket when dropping back um and so we don't necessarily see how how much he's going through those reads yes. um but yeah and I, I you know maybe it's a little bit apples to apples uh but overall i mean i i talked about the desire to just get braxton jones in there and give them continuity but overall the line uh did very well um, especially in an environment where it's difficult to make those checks and make those reads uh, as we talked about earlier. So uh, yeah, ho I'm hoping that this is the end of the Tyson Bajan experience because you don't want your backup quarterback to be the guy for the rest of the season and Justin Fields can play on Thursday. We'll see if that happens. Uh, but if he is um, before we kind of like, you know, get into like anything else we missed, I just sort of wanted to go back down memory lane and, see like kind of see where this ranks as far as backup quarterback stretches. So like I see that, you know, the bears had Tyson Bajan for three games. He won one. Um, I think back to like the Matt Barkley stretch in 2016, which was kind of interesting to watch <laughs> Caleb Haney or um, not. Yeah. Caleb Haney, I guess in 2011, when you know what hit the wall, uh, chase Daniel in 2018, um, see uh, 2013 obviously josh mccown is the you know i think gold star but out of maybe like the last 15 years of those guys um where does that sort of uh where's that rank for you <laughs> like it's, yeah it's such a great interesting question because we're all tired of you know the the bears you know carnival of quarterbacks graphics that we see every gd time the bears play on uh national tv but we talked a little bit pre-show, so I was trying to look around a little bit. And I mean, there are some interesting ones, right? From like Shane Matthews to Kyle Orton to, um, you know, for a while there, Mitch was, was a backup fulls. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Chase Daniels forever, but he was just a placeholder um, and, and nothing more. I mean, Josh McCown is probably the high water mark, isn't he? I mean, he was, yeah. uh, he went three and two, he threw for 1800 yards, 13 touchdowns and just one interception. Um, in one game, he threw for 348 yards, uh, which was pretty freaking impressive. And he kind of made a career off of that. Um, 
Yeah, career revitalization. He stayed in the league for another five years after that. Because of that. Because of that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's like you said last how many years? Because, I mean, maybe Steve Walsh. Go back 20. Steve Walsh ever in terms of backups that have played. I mean, he was eight and three as the team starter. Uh, They had a playoff win over the Vikings. Uh, he threw for over 2,000 yards and te- 10 touchdowns, eight picks. Uh, he was uh, uh, he was the backup for Kramer for one more year in 1995. Um, hmm. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe um, that is. Maybe that is. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. I just sort of, yeah, I think like in, in recent memory for me, maybe that's going back like 10, you know, 15, 20 years, like McCown is the high watermark for sure. Okay. Um, the, the 2004 cavalcade of suck was awful with Jonathan Quinn, Craig Krenzel. <laughs> um, you know, although Bajan does remind me a little bit of Craig Krenzel because the bears were able to win. They were, you know, they won one game with them. Um, Krenzel didn't look good at all, but they were somehow able to win. Um, Chase Daniel was kind of exactly what you think you get out of a backup quarterback. You win a game, you might lose a game, but you're in it throughout the whole time. Um, the Matt Barkley era was kind of fun for me. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it's because I had no expectations whatsoever at the end of 2016. And he kind of balled out a little bit. You know, actually, he balled out enough where there were people making calls on sports radio for Matt Barkley to become a starter in 2017. I remember that. Yes, I recall that as well. Which may have just spoken to the like starvation of quarterbacks that our city's been in for this long that there was... <laughs> people <laughs> banging on the table for Matt Barkley, but he did, but he did play well. I mean, he had flashes without question. He did. Uh, so quick question. Do you think Justin Fields plays on Thursday? Uh, gosh, can I say, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You can say you don't ball. know. I don't know if he can grip the ball to me. That's what it comes down to uh, with the injury that he suffered to his, his, his throwing thumb. To me, when you talk about the level of control that is necessary in, in able to throw like NFL level, level one, level two, level three, touch passes, screens, hand yeah. the ball off. I mean, the amount it's like, you know, it's like when you stub your, toe, your big toe really bad. And then it's not until you stub your toe, big toe really bad that you realize how freaking important it is for you to stand and walk and balance. I mean, I think the same thing would be true for, for the guy's thumb. And while I, believe that the bears have been relatively transparent about his status. I just don't know if, we, I don't know if we know the answers to the questions I just posed. If he can, if he can hang on to the ball, he starts. If he can control the ball, he starts. If he's still healing, then we see more Tyson Bajan. Yeah, fair. I, I think he's going to push so hard. Like he, um, he tossed the ball a little bit on Friday. It looked fine coming out of his hands, but those were lot passes. You know, we didn't see anything like you know, uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of forcing throws or whatever, or uh, hard throws. I guess the word I'm looking for. So yeah, we'll see. Um, it does suck that it is a Thursday night game. I think if it was a Sunday game, uh, it would be very probable. But now it's just like definitely questionable. Um, one game. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up before we got into anything else. Um, and I think those, this was going to come up anyway. Montez Sweat. We didn't talk about Montez Sweat yet. <laughs> so, uh, of course, the Bears acquired him earlier this week. They signed uh, they signed the extension on Saturday. He plays on Sunday today. And he had, I'm going to get his stats in a second. 
he had i have him uh, so he's uh two tackles um both solo and a pass deflection he almost he also had one of his one of those two tackles was the one where he pursued all the way um down down the line right yeah and then uh, pursued i can't remember who the tackle was on but i mean it was a good what eight to ten yards down the field fantastic hustle yeah that's that's the kind of player he is he's not going to quit on plays he's gonna yeah. you know do what he can to make plays i'm going to be interested to see what the snap count is because i saw him on the field more often than not so that was kind of a positive sign yeah you do wish that they were able to actually get after car um i don't think there were any sacks i think uh our Somebody pointed out in the chat. I forgot who it was, but um, yeah, they didn't get any sacks, which was a big problem. Why the Bears couldn't do anything? Um, but yeah, just uh, like quick thoughts because we haven't talked yet, and I'm sure it's going to get lost. You know, quick thoughts on the trade extension, all of that. What'd you think? Well, I liked it. I ultimately, I, I like the move. Uh, I like the instances in which um, pulls is to be aggressive in the ways in which he goes after players. I like the stat line from Sweat um, this year. I like his age. I like his size. I like his agility. Um, I like his musk. I That too. Yeah, he's a handsome man. He, um, <laughs> But uh, ostensibly, he gives the Bears what they're lacking uh, and hopefully gives us the opportunity to assess a little bit more of the secondary uh, if we actually start to, you know, begin to get a pass rush. Um, I like the fact that we were able to extend him. Um, I I wish I fully understood the line of reasoning that occurred throughout the course of this week and the outrage. I mean, am I understating it? The uh, people lost their minds this week, lost their minds. Yeah, if polls would have... <laughs> Would have traded away a second round pick for Sweat only to see him walk. Egregious. No doubt about it. But come on. I mean, have we had Indy? Do we just want the Bears to be awful? Is that what we want? We want the whole damn thing to be a dumpster fire. Pulls pulls his shit and doesn't know what he's doing. Fluce needs to be fired. Getsy's a horrible play, Carl. Justin is a bust. Should we just go right on down the line? Because honestly, the evidence that we have for polls so far, even though there are misses, and we, we may not agree with all the moves that he's made, he has acted in intelligent and pragmatic and calculated ways. I would have been shocked, shocked, if there were an instance in which the sweat deal was made without any extension. I, I, I mean, if it had happened, I'd have been on board with the people that were like ready to riot. But I just, I don't, is it just because the team is so bad that people went there, Brendan? I mean, I don't understand where that outrage came from. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it was, I think it was because of the report that came out from, I think it was Graziano um, from ESPN who said like the Falcons were ready. Like they had a deal in hand, essentially. They thought they were getting sweat and the bears kind of swooped in with the higher bid. Washington accepted it. And, it basically said like to the, to their knowledge, the bears had not, they didn't have a deal yet um, in place or at least a framework to kind of go with. So that set a lot of people off saying, Oh, the, the, the bears are just being reactionary. They don't have a plan. They're just trying to, you know, piece this along as they go. They're building the, the train is coming while they're building the tracks. Um, 
And in my head, I sort of, I didn't go full meatball there, but I did have a sense. I was like, well, it kind of seems like they don't have a deal yet. And you get a little bit nervous there. So hopefully like this isn't the case, but um, I I essentially was just like a deal has to get done. Like it, it, this doesn't make any sense. And it just feels like it's going to get done. And then I heard Ryan Poles speak and I know talk is talk, but like listening to him right away, I said, we are confident that we are going to get a deal done with Montez Sweat very soon. As soon as he said that, I'm like, okay, I feel a lot better now. Like Papa Poles, you you made me feel good. So thank you. (laughs) Um, And then sure enough, like a few days later, they did get it. So it was very, um, I think just Bears fans and Bears social media, like it's gotten to a point where uh, you have to have extreme takes on everything. And um, either the GM is the best GM in the world. King Poles does it again, or he has no idea what he's doing and he should be fired on the spot. There's almost no um, room for nuance or no room for, you know, like to kind of like have a middle ground like that. And yeah, my, my first reaction was like, yeah, okay, great. A deal better get done. I think it will get done. It does make me slightly nervous that there haven't been any conversations yet, but at the same time, I'm like, let's see what Ryan Pohl says first. And then if he came up to the podium and said, yeah, we, we haven't talked deal yet. Uh, we'll, we'll see where we get there. Like I, and sort of just kind of gave you that BS, like, yeah, we'll kind of see, uh, we have time. I would have been very nervous, but the fact he was like, I, I have a plan. Here's what I'm doing. Made me feel a lot better. So, uh, yeah, the player himself, he, what's that? I think that, I think that's fair. And I, I understand like there was maybe a sequence of events where, where sweat himself, you know, was asked about it and he just, you know, kind of said, well, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to lay my head down at night. Yeah. And there's that report, but but I think like where I'm with you here is like, you know, and I, and I, and I tweeted it, you know, just like, like, what if, what if what's happening inside Hallis Hall is like completely oppo of what you think is happening in Hallis Hall. I mean, I just think that most of us have no clue about the logistics of what it is that Ryan Poles is doing. I mean, the guy hadn't gone through his physical yet. The guy had, he hadn't signed yet. You know, the, so, so we don't know what was discussed in the room where it happened. We're back in the year 2000 where everything needs to be extreme. Yeah. I feel like it like, yeah. X uh, exhibit is a famous rapper. Um, But yeah, I just, uh, I don't, what I like about our show and I'm obviously biased is that we don't deal in conjecture and we don't really, um, you know, peddle rumors. And I, and I just felt like, you know, reports say yada, 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 you know, and sweat is saying, you know, this, what else would sweat say? You know, I just, I think what people say to the media and what actually is happening behind closed doors in terms of both logistics and conversations are probably vastly different than what it is that we think. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I get, we love the team. I'm trying not to be too critical because there is emotion that and everybody can fan how they want, but as much as we can, can we still try to deal in like what's happening? Like factually, you know, and then react to that because I don't understand like what the benefit is of going down the rabbit hole that so many people went down until it actually does or does not happen that sweat is signed or not. Like what? I don't know. Am I old? Everybody just wants to like, feel like they're smarter than everybody else. And yeah, you you read into things. It's like the English teacher that tries to, sorry, if you teach English, I can't remember. Um, (laughs) But um, you know, everybody wants to like kind of read between the lines and sort of like, well, what does this mean? And what, what is the interpretation here? It's like, 
Montez Sweat just got into town. He just got his life uprooted. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to see what this is all about here first. And, you know, like imagine somebody asking you, like you move halfway around the country um, to a new place. You're expected to show up for your job right away. And somebody's asking you, so how long are you going to stay? You're going to yeah. sign on for like four years? Like you're going to start talking about Brennan? Yeah. Be an extension? I, I, I don't know. I think I just... <laughs> Freaking just got signed, man. Like, yeah, like yeah. G- give me wow. a minute to breathe. Um, I, I took nothing, you know, I, I didn't really, I, I totally felt for Montez in that situation. And hearing Ryan Poles talk about the conversations with his agents, I'm like, that's what I care about more. Not that I don't care about what Montez Sweat says, but I'm taking more um, credence or, you know, I'm reading more into that, if anything, to right. show that Ryan Poles is telling you what's happening versus Montez Sweat just right. saying, you know, because people were saying, well, he doesn't want to be here because he doesn't want to talk about the extension. Like he doesn't know if he wants to be here or not. He just got here. <laughs> right. And, and, and like in and, and Jalen Johnson, you know, simultaneously can say that he's yeah. the best cornerback, that he's the best cornerback in the league. And Jalen Johnson can say that he's going to be upset if, if sweat gets, you know, extended before him. But again, like what, we don't know what the timeline is. We don't know what the discussions between the agent and the player and the, and the agent and the front office look like if, if Johnson is asking for top tier money, then that deal's not going to get done before the, obviously before the sweat deal gets done. It's just not, you know? And so in terms of like that pacing and timing, and again, the the logistics, it's just a lot of noise. I just think it's so much noise. And the way Pace put it with Jalen Johnson too, he's like, we never even got to a number. Like we never yeah. even got to the point where we talked about a number and people are like, again, losing their minds about stuff that Jalen Johnson is saying, well, what else is Jalen Johnson going to say? He's a smart dude. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm the best cornerback in the league and I should be paid like that. Of course he's going to say that. Like, wouldn't you say that if you're in negotiations? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be mad if they do that extension before mine, because I've been here for longer. Yeah, I get it. I, I understand you have been, but, but where are we at in terms of like yeah. coming to an agreement, which is all that matters really when it comes down to it. And let's say, by the way, we all talked about wanting to resign Jalen Johnson, but we all also admitted that he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And he's also injured a lot. Would I still like to sign Jalen Johnson because he's like homegrown and developed in a really good corner? Yeah. But the price has to be right. Or he walks in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, like they've had a lot more time to figure it out too. Like sweat just got here. Yeah. He, he could be mad if he wants, but it's like, bro, you've had time to get this done. And Ryan Poles even said in his mind, at least he thought they were getting close to a deal. And then uh, again, going back to like the extreme reactions, I think it's okay. It's also like on social media, you can have those, those raw immediate reactions. Like when it came out late at night on uh on Monday night, that Jalen Johnson requested a trade. I was pissed. I was yeah. so mad, like, yeah. because it just sort of came out of nowhere. And it, it then seemed like, okay, well, the Bears are going to trade him then. And then you get more of the the story and what Ryan Poles is saying. And then he's like, look, I thought we were close. They came back and said, we want to explore a deal. We're going to grant that. Here's the value we put on you. This is how much we value you. And we're, you know, if teams give us something that we deem valuable, okay, we'll do it. But at the same time, we don't want to lose you for nothing because that's how much we va- we value you. You can then take a step back and look at that and say, okay, that makes more sense now. I do appreciate how Ryan Poles sort of isn't as like secretive or sort of like, you know, too 
uh, behind the scenes, I guess, and just says like, I'm going to explain it to you like it actually happened. And I'm not going to try and like, you know, uh, remain secretive about things. And I, I think that's really nice. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just been, it's just been a crazy week. And with all of these, you know, trade rumors and extensions and trades and everything of that, like all of the reactions come out of the wood, the woodwork and it just sort of gets to be too much. So, and I think that's, you know, goes back to what we opened with about why you drove away from the gas station with the gas pump. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, I'm not above, I'm not above the fray. That's for sure. No, um, no. Face it, if the team was winning, then these conversations wouldn't be happening, and that's the sheer facts of it. And we all want the team exactly. to win. That's the bottom. We, we want the team to win. We really care about this team. It's like we've said before. It's woven into the fabric of our families. You know, and like for me, my children, and like my father who passed away last fall, like. Yeah, there's emotion. Like they, we want this team to be good, and when they're not, it is freaking frustrating. And maybe you know, sometimes it brings out uh, the worst of us. Um, but I do think, I I just think in this particular instance, and I know we probably want to wrap up here, Brendan. But I, unpopular opinion, I do think that there could be a crest to all of this. I think the rebuild is in, still in full motion. I think Poles has not changed his focus, and I don't think Flus has changed his focus, whether you like it or not, whether you like him or not. Um, and there's plenty to be upset with. I, I, I absolutely, we've not performed the way that we should and could so far this season. But I do think that those folks are taking a much more macroscopic approach to this, and of course, way more macroscopic. And uh, I guess like um, steady pace wins the race than most fans are fans are going to like, they want to, they want to fire everybody into the sun. Um, but I, I don't think that's the, the stance of this organization right now. And I'm kind of for it. If I'm being honest, I, I let's, let's plug ahead. Let's keep getting draft picks. Let's keep drafting high talent. Let's keep um, trading for them during free agency. Let's keep developing them as much as we humanly can. Um, perhaps Flus isn't as bad of a coach as we think he is. Again, I always say when I went to the coaching clinic the one year and the guy who coached the seven foot high jumper was asked about what made him such a good coach. His answer was, you know, nobody really came to me to ask me to speak at clinics until I had this seven foot high jumper. And then all of a sudden everybody <laughs> wanted me to come speak at clinics. Like, let's face it, right? Like there's a limit to the amount of like success that you can have depending on the, the relative talent that you have. Um, and, and so I, I just think that even though it has been ugly in instances, there is a world in which this possibly all crests in a good way, maybe Detroit Lions style. Maybe I'm just being hopeful. Maybe I'm just being naive. Um, but I, but what I do think I know is that these guys are like steady as she goes. Steady as she goes throughout all this. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I definitely have my reservations. I don't really have faith in this staff right now. Overall, I think some things have improved, but some things have regressed and maybe remain the same. Um, the last thing I'll say about this, on a positive note, it feels like the locker room has not been locked. It seems like the Bears reporters have kind of, you know, talked about that. They said, um, you know, things are things are still kind of steady. And there hasn't been like big blowups or anything yet. So there's a positive there, I guess, because mm -hmm. losing can definitely, unless you're Chase Claypool, where that, that was kind of a blow up, but yeah. um, then you get shipped out. But it seems like people at the very least are handling it in stride as best they can. Um, 
Okay. Anything else? I know we're, we're kind of going over here. Anything else from the game that you want to get to before we uh, get to shout outs and head out? Uh, I, the only thing I would mention just briefly is I'm going to just, I'll get off of this crusade when it gets too, too old, but I, I really do hope that there is some plan on the major networks to, to revitalize the, the booths. You know, I don't remember which of the dudes was, it was that said it, but something to the effect of like after Bajent scrambled for that I don't, 20, 30 yard run. And then he got up and he did his emphatic first down symbol and then one of those guys was like, well, that's the most enthusiasm, you know, that I've seen out of Bajan, you know, after watching the last three weeks. Well, that's, well, that's just freaking wrong, dude. Then you're just not watching them. You're just not watching. Yeah. So they're underprepared. They're, they're, they don't know the team. I don't understand, like, from what we talked about. A, either have local guys follow the team and do the broadcast all the time, or B, do a Manning cast or something like that. Baseball gets it right. They let the game speak for itself. Why these dudes think they have to come up with some bullshit narrative every game? I, I, maybe I'm just getting old like my father, and I should just mute the television and listen to the radio. <laughs> if it stinks up, I might start doing that, honestly. Now I know why Dad did that. <laughs> <laughs> See, stuff like that doesn't necessarily bother no? me. Uh, no, not really. Only when they get things factually wrong. Like they okay. had, uh, they, they said Tyreek Stevenson was in coverage against DJ Moore on that pass breakup in the end zone, and that's just not right. Wait, um, Tyreek Stevenson was in coverage on DJ Moore? Yes, that you, you heard that right. Yeah, that's not. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's how I heard it. Um, but I, I, I appreciate how they sort of like break down the offensive schemes and what's happening and all that. That I I, I definitely want to hear. I don't need More to hear that. sort of your, you know, narratives on what you think, like, you know, oh, Bajan's, Bajan's not showing enough motion or Justin Fields can learn something from Tyson Bajan and all that. I, I don't give a damn about that. Just tell me what you think about this scheme. Tell me who's open, why it worked why it didn't work and then we'll we'll all be happy so um i didn't like that there was an offensive line off sides haven't seen that in a long time that was the dumbest thing i think uh from the game um i thought mandy berflus had a good challenge that was good uh you don't see that often and then um oh gosh well i'll just say what i'll just say it once um stop putting Bayless jones on offense that's all i'll say please <laughs> Hey, we got it. We almost got to an hour and a half. We didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, just man. choosing not to broach the Velas Jones topic anymore. I understand. I understand. Um, <laughs> all right, man. We've uh, we've had fun just uh, shooting the you-know-what here. Uh, let's get to shout-outs, and uh, we'll get out of here. Who you got? Well, I've got some bad news. Uh, the, the Psycho Spartans were knocked out of the playoffs yesterday at Gately Stadium in Chicago, Illinois, uh, by a, a fantastic Morgan Park team. You should see Brendan. They've got a couple of, um, I think, two Division One prospects at wide receiver. Oh, jeez. Oh, dude, yeah. I want to see. I want to see good like high school wide receiver. Oh players. my gosh, this it was yeah, it was something. Uh, but the Spartans had a fantastic season, um, and uh, props to them and their coach, uh, their athletic director Chauncey Carrick, uh, their head coach Coach Ryan, defensive coaches, uh, everybody. Just they've had. Sycamore, as you can probably tell in the last like two to three years since we've been doing this, has had quite a run. I mean, they make the playoffs just about every year. Uh, great, great first round records. And it's a, a testament to, to them, to the coaches, to the players. Um, shout out to my son, Connor, uh, who, um, you know, was on kick return and played two years varsity. And so I'm really proud of him um, and the work that he did uh, as well. So um, those are my primary shout outs uh, just as uh, their season tragically ended. Uh, BT dubs. Um, 
You know, I won't even say how it ended because I don't want to do that to the kid. It'd just be, yeah. you know. Is this, uh, th- this is Connor's last, this was his last game then? Yeah, Connor's a senior, yeah. So that's, that's, that's you know, tough. like that last game is just like, it's like somebody's stolen your wallet and like, you know, like punched you in the kidneys on the way out the door. It just, it hurts, man. It hurts. Yeah, especially just being bittersweet too. Like it's, yes. you know, it's a good run and everything, but yes. yeah, that's, that's tough. Well, yeah. At least, you know, they, they made a run to the playoffs. He yeah. I mean, well, I said to my sons, they both played more playoff games than I've ever played. I played zero playoff games. Now I've coached some playoff games and was very fortunate to that. We won a state championship, which was fantastic, but I, I never played a playoff game. So kudos to those two. That's really cool. I didn't either. Uh, unless yeah. like you count flag football in that case, I won three championships. So well, then uh, I'm counting it. <laughs> it counts, Brendan. It does. It does. I had, I had a Julian Edelman type game in the championship. Let's go. Game. That's yeah. so fun, man. You'll never forget that. We no, we don't. I swear to God. I, I swear to God. We were, we were reminiscing last weekend with my buddies and just even, it was like five, seven years ago at this point. And we were just talking about some of the games so and, there's one game where the ref even talked. He's like, dude, I'll day with you. And I'm just like, hell yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And they recognize it. Hey, real quick. You, you should play in our Turkey bowl game this year. If you want. Uh, we need to talk about that. I oh my God. Details. Oh my God. I'm so excited. It's so, <laughs> fun. It's so fun. Can I bring a friend? <laughs> uh, let me find out. It's a like kind of a family, you know, okay. family, family. Okay. So, but I can find out. I, okay. I either way. I, I would be very happy to, uh, okay. that'd be awesome. Thank you. Uh, okay, two quick shout outs. Uh, first goes to uh, one of our friends, uh, first guest ever on the podcast, Adam Rank. Uh, I got a message from Rank. Uh, we did a podcast together on his uh, The Sick podcast on Friday, um, Friday evening. And it was so funny. I, you know, he just asked me on, uh, you know, with like a little bit notice. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm free. And then he goes on the show and he's like, yeah, we were going to have David Carr on, uh, but he couldn't do it. So uh, here's Brendan. And I'm like, that is the best thing ever That's like so cool. and i think for a second he probably was like oh like i don't want you to feel bad or anything i was like no if you're telling me i'm a fill-in for david carr from the nfl network the former number one overall pick like yeah that's pretty damn cool i'll take that's it cool as hell <laughs> so um yeah so shout out to adam we had a fun show uh good to always talk with him and then shout out to my buddy kyle um i've talked about him a few times uh on the podcast he listens but he also reads my bears wire stuff and he just like, he lives for my bold predictions every week. And I almost didn't get him out because there was just so much stuff going on with bears news. And, um, he texted me as soon as I released him, and he's like, Oh, I love this. I love this. He's like, it, it makes my day every time I see it. Um, and I was like, dude, thank you. Like it gets exhausting writing about like, you know, trying to come up with new fresh things for, for bears wire, especially during the season. And I know he like, you know, dissects them with me. He's like, okay, I agree with this. I don't agree with that. Um, but he just said, he's like, it makes my Saturday every time that I can read those. So um, really cool to hear from, from one of my good friends. So um, thank you, Kyle. It, it means the world. So um, yeah, um, we'll, we'll figure out what we're doing for, uh, for next week. We'll see. It's the Thursday quick night turnaround. game. Yeah, I know. Another quick turnaround, man. Two Thursday games. It's crazy. Um, but for, uh, for everybody who's listened, everybody who continues to follow us through this just brutal, brutal bear season, uh, we appreciate you. As always, please like, subscribe, rate the audio podcast, um, subscribe to the YouTube, put your thumbs up. Yes. Oh, no, no, 
No, Jack, don't. There you go. There you're doing the thumbs up. Can I do it? Come on. I don't know why yours doesn't do it. Why you not? Have to, you have to figure that out. What I, what's wrong with my thumb, man? <laughs> Whatever. We're 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 having fun with the uh, the YouTube stream. <laughs> but uh, anyway, if you want to see us, you know, make really random gestures to try and get things going, <laughs> follow us on YouTube. Uh, again, check us out on um, on all our social media. Uh, we'll release all of our shows. But for Mr. Jack Wright, Mr. Ryan Dingle, Mr. Patrick Schroeder, Mr. Jeff Logan Bradley, I am Brendan Chagru. Thank you all so much, and as always, bear down, Chicago.